This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, September 9th, and I'm Doug Blair. What is conservatism? You'll probably get a lot of answers for that, depending on if you're in America, France, the UK, Germany, wherever. There are different brands of conservatism. But one thing is for sure, according to Yerom Hazoni, religion plays a part in it. I sat down with Yerom Hazoni to talk about what role religion plays in conservatism and if conservatism is even possible in the absence of religion. My conversation with Yerom Hazoni after this. President Lincoln once said, elections belong to the people. Here at the Heritage Foundation, we hold these words to be true. However, for elections to truly belong to the people, the people need to trust their results. That's where the election integrity scorecard comes in. We created this tool so that citizens like you can discover the rules, regulations, and overall transparency of voting in your respective state. Find the Election Integrity Scorecard on the Heritage Foundation's website at heritage.org slash election scorecard. My guest today is Yoram Hazoni, president of the Herzl Institute in Jerusalem and chairman of the Edmund Burke Foundation. He is also the author of the new book, Conservatism, a Rediscovery. Yoram, welcome to the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Well, I want to talk about your book a little bit because the title is so interesting, A Rediscovery of Conservatism. But before we get into that specifically, let's start defining our terms. What to you is conservatism? Well, conservatism is uh, is a political standpoint that uh, regards the uh, national and religious traditions as the key to maintaining and to strengthening a nation. And uh, in in the United States, uh, it's appropriate to talk about Anglo-American, the Anglo-American conservative tradition, because you know d- different countries have have different traditions of conservatism, and they're they're not all alike. But I would say, as a as a general matter, if you're the kind of person who thinks that politics begins with uh, you know the free and equal individual, and um, the the uh, and political obligation arising from consent, if if that's your worldview, then you're you're probably not a conservative. You're probably a liberal. Uh, if the place where you start is from the the uh, the existence of a a certain nation, which has uh, traditions and uh, uh, you know like a, a a religious tradition, a, na- a linguistic tradition, constitutional traditions. Uh, that have historically bound bound the uh, the various parts of the nation together. If, if that's your starting point, then you're probably a conservative. So it sounds like these traditions can almost apply in different places. So in India, there would be a different form of conservatism, maybe based around Hinduism and a national language like Hindi, whereas in France, it would be connected to Catholicism with the French language. Is that sort of an accurate take? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean... Marxism and liberalism are are universal theories. They, like enlight, the Enlightenment rationalism that they spring out of, they claim to be true for all people in all times and places, without without regard to uh, how they grew up or you know what they were taught or what they believe. And uh, conservatives see that as being extremely unrealistic. Uh, they 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 begin. Uh, looking at the world empirically and come to the conclusion that human beings are born into families and tribes and nations and religious traditions, and that these are not the same, that they are unlike one another. And and so Anglo-American conservatism is uh, going to be different from conservatism in India or in Arabia or in Russia or in China. 
Mm-hmm. So the title of your book is A Rediscovery, right? Conservatism, A Rediscovery. Why does it need to be rediscovered? Americans have, have sort of slipped, especially especially after the end of the Cold War, uh, but maybe even earlier than that, have, have slipped into a, uh, a worldview in which uh, conservatism just is liberalism. You, you, you hear these kinds of things in in Washington and in uh, conservative circles all the time that, you know, w- we American conservatives, what we're conserving is liberalism or that uh, conservatism is a branch or a species of liberalism, all sorts of things whose whose purpose in the end is to sow confusion. And uh, this wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be more than just sort of like an intellectual curiosity, except for the fact that the United States in the year 2020 um, has 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 moved into um, uh, in, in, into a period in which the the hegemonic le- liberal discourse that, that that dominated America since World War II um, has collapsed. Not not to say that there are no more lib- liberals running around, but but the the dominance, the assumption that you could rely on when I was growing up and when you were growing up, we could we we could rely on the Democrats and the Republicans to be some kind of liberal. And uh, that assumption no longer holds. The, the, the moment that the New York Times started firing uh, senior employees for being liberals, the moment that Princeton University took Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson's name, you know, the, the great, great liberal icon, off of the buildings of the university where, where Wilson had been president, uh, America moved into a, a different world in which uh, liberalism is now a a minority worldview. Uh, it's it, it, it is um, it, it is given way to to a woke neo Marxism, which which is making its own bid for hegemony. And on the right, we see different different kinds of ideas contending with one another to be sort of the 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 champion of what what the right is going to to say in response to to this shocking cultural revolution that we're that we're living through. So at, at this point, I think it's crucial to be able to distinguish between liberalism and conservatism, because if if you think that conservatism is liberalism, then then you are uh, signing on to that ideology, which just collapsed. And if there's one thing that we know about liberalism at this point is that uh, in in the two generations that liberals dominated uh, America, they were unable to, uh, tr- they were completely unsuccessful in, in figuring out a way to transmit liberalism so that it would be conserved and transmitted from, you know, across generations. We, we did that experiment. It failed. It's over. And uh, people who see what's coming and, and want to know what, what went wrong, they need to say, well, maybe liberalism is what went wrong. And that certainly is this. A, a, a large part of my book on conservatism is uh, is uh, tracing tracing the way that liberalism um, uh, il- sort of pushed conserva- conservatives out. So that if if you want to know anything about a life of conservation of, and transmission, either either as an individual or as a family at that level or uh, at the national level, you need to. Um, you need to go back. You need to to examine uh, the great Anglo-American conservative uh, tradition of thought, and 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 you need to start applying it in your own, in your own life. But uh, this is going to require restoration because the things we've inherited are liberal, not conservative. 
So if we're trying to restore an old conservative order, we're trying to restore a lot of these things that have been lost, where do we start? You, you mentioned that people need to start doing this in their own life. Where would be a good place for them to start? I think people can ask themselves, um, honestly, whether the life they are leading is a conservative life, whether it's a life of conservation and transmission. And uh, for most people today, even, you know, if, even if they identify with the word conservative, the answer is simply no. Um, I, you know, I think you look at look look around your immediate surroundings, and you realize that uh, most young people today are are having trouble getting married, um, so they keep putting it off. They're having trouble having kids. If they're married, they're having trouble staying married. Uh, they 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 are not particularly impressed with the importance of things like um, like uh, studying scripture, keeping the Sabbath. They don't think that they need to be part of a congregation in which the great inheritance is, is actively being handed down. So if that's the way you're leading your life, then you're a, part, a big part of the problem. Because uh, if a society is does not consist of, uh, of individuals who devote their time and energies to conservation and transmission, then you can't expect the nation to be able to do it. The nation just consists you know, of, of the various groups of individuals within it. So the, the book is definitely a call for, uh, for people to uh, examine their own contribution to the, uh, to the cultural revolution. Um, if, if, they're not, if you are not focused on what do I need to do in order to make sure that the, that the great tra tradition is going to be handed down to my children, if you're not focused on that, then you're, you're not really leading a conservative life. And in the book, I offer suggestions for, uh, for how to begin leading a conservative life. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to something you've talked about a, a lot, which is the role of religion in conservatism. Specifically, it sounds like uh, in the West, that sort of Anglo-Judeo-Christian values that are, that are essential to conservative function. A lot of people in America today will say that a secular society can exist, that there is a form of secular conservatism that can work. Do you, it sounds like you might disagree with that assessment. Well, like I say, I think, I, I, th I think that was tried. I, 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 I mean, America was um, explicitly a, a Christian nation, a Christian people um, up, up through World War II. What, what, what I mean by explicitly is that, that this was said time and again uh, by 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 the American Supreme Court and American presidents regularly spoke about it. Um, FDR and Eisenhower still were of the age and the generation where uh, they understood America was a Christian nation and they they were some version of Christian nationalists. And uh, for for FDR, I mean, he, he never tired of saying that that uh, democracy grows out of Christianity. That America's uh, Worthy constitutional and, and uh, traditions grow grow out of the religious tradition. That was a commonplace. I mean, that was just something that was generally believed by uh, by political leaders on all sides uh, up until the Second World War. And after the Second World War, um, uh, Americans shifted. There was a <coughs> change from what you can call Christian democracy to what came to be known as liberal democracy. The, the term liberal democracy wasn't really in use much then, but uh, by the 1970s, you know, 80s, 90s, uh, 
intellectuals, both Marxists and liberals, had begun to use the expression liberal democracy to give the name to the, the, the new secular neutral state that was supposed to have come into existence uh, after the Second World War. So uh, we have a pretty clear experiment that lasted 60 or 70 years in, in which the religious foundations of the society, the biblical foundations, uh, which had always been there, uh, were, were banished. Uh, the, the, the most obvious indication of this was the, 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 the shocking uh, banning of uh, uh, God and prayer and uh, the study of scripture from schools across the United States. That happened in 1947, or it began in 1947 with the, uh, the Supreme Court's Everson decision, which for the first time uh, declared a separation of church and state to be an uh, integral part of the American Constitution and imposed it on all 48 states. So we've done the experiment. We've 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 lived in that kind of supposedly neutral state, and what we see is that uh, when you send children every day to school, uh, in which um, uh, talk about God and and reading the Bible is and and what you're supposed to get out of the Bible and its its place as the basis of our civilization. When you send kids to school every day that way, they don't come out Christians and they don't come out Jews. Uh, they 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 come out with this uh, tremendous vacuum, and you know, lots of people thought that vacuum was 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 just fine. They didn't understand that that vacuum is completely unstable. And now, if you look around America, I think anybody can just open their eyes and see that 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 banishing of uh, Christianity and the biblical foundations of America uh, created a vacuum. And in that vacuum, um, all sorts of terrible things have grown. And and uh, America is is clearly moving towards dissolution. The only the only question is is whether people are are willing to learn the lesson and move fast to turn it around. Mm. To play devil's advocate for, for a second, one of the things that the left will often claim about America is that we are this multicultural, I think the term now that they'll use is like a mosaic where, you know, you have all these different cultures that uh, interact with each other and those people might come from various parts of the world. There could be Indians from India, there could be Chinese people from China, there could be French people from France, and they all kind of come together and form these things. From what you've been saying that there is a sort of conservative faith tradition that exists in all those countries that are pretty disparate in terms of where they would come from. So is the concept of America in the sense that it can exist in that form of, say, a mosaic just fundamentally flawed? Well, it can exist, but uh, but the, the the thing that you're describing, uh, a a multinational a multinational entity which has many different many different nations and many different peoples living under a single government, uh, but without mutual loyalty binding them to one another, um, that's called an empire. And our we have a lot of experience with empires in recorded history. Empires are always are always dictatorships. There's no such thing as a, a, a democratic empire. There's no such thing as, as uh, you know, a, a dozen different uh, nations, a dozen different peoples going to the ballot box in order to determine, you know, who's going to get to be the president for the next four years and then peaceably moving on. And uh, in fact, I think when you, you look at the recent elections in the United States, I mean, it's at least two, at least the last two presidential elections have been uh, contested in such a way that, um, I, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, but 30, 40, 50 percent of, uh, of Americans thought that each of the last two elections were um, were in some way 
uh, illegitimate, that, 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 they, that they were not free and fair elections and they led to an Ill illegitimate government. And so this is this is rapidly moving into the, the situation that you're describing. All sorts of groups of people who don't really aren't loyal to one another, don't recognize the traditions of the country as being particularly important. And in the end, peace, it, it, that will decay. If nothing changes, that will decay into civil war and possible uh, subversion from overseas. And uh, it's going to end up one way or another with, uh, with a dictatorship. Now, I, I don't think that that's inevitable at this point, but it's inevitable uh, if people keep pushing the idea that, that desert, diversity is our strength. Diversity um, is, is your strength when it's diversity internal to a single nation uh, bound by ties of mutual loyalty. All nations are internally diverse, so, so sometimes you can, you can make it a little bit more diverse. But the question is, do the bonds that of mutual loyalty that tie these different groups in society together are they fraying? Are they exploding? Or is there active work being done to strengthen them? And uh, my book is basically about the question of, of restoration, uh, repentance and restoration, and the question of what you'd need to do if you actually wanted America to survive this. And uh, the, the, the simple answer is that, uh, that, a, uh, that, that a, a national religious tradition uh, of some kind, it can be uh, it, it, it can be um, tolerant, it can be ecumenical, but the bottom line is that there has to be something that is going to uh, unite people. Now, I, I understand that at the national level, it, it's going to be very difficult at this moment to get uh, lots of Americans behind this, but at the level of the states, I, I, I think the situation is very different. There, there are still many states in the United States where, um, where you could get a Christian majority or, or a pro-Christian majority. Uh, which could consist of all sorts of people who uh, who are not don't necessarily see themselves as Christians, but they they can take a look at the woke neo-Marxist government that's coming, and say, uh, look, a, a, a biblical restoration, a Christian restoration, is simply better for all of us, and so I, I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna lend a hand to to making that happen. I think there's lots of states where that could happen, and that's the step that needs to be taken now. Uh, aside from you know people at the personal level, if, when you get to the political level, uh, we have to be thinking in terms of uh, experiments at the state level of uh, ending the separation of church and state and um, uh, and and creating a a Christian public life which which offers a a biblical moral and political framework um, that can that is powerful enough to oppose uh, the neo Marxism which otherwise is just going to win. Mm. Now, as we begin to wrap up here, I'm, I'm curious, it's sort of very dire prognostication there. Um, are we seeing, you, you mentioned that there are some states that are, that are probably willing to do this and probably willing to go to that standard. Do you believe that there are certain states that other states should be modeling themselves after? And what specifically are those states doing from a legislative perspective that the other states in the union should be, should be emulating? You know, there there are good things happening in some of the red states, but I I, I I think that this needs to be pushed further. I think that until until you have governors saying explicitly uh, that separation of church and state is is not a part of the traditional American constitution, that Everson in 1947 was wrongly decided, and therefore uh, Bible can return to the uh, re return to the schools. And the public life can can be uh, based on it on a uh, on a 
a, a broad Christian and biblical foundation, until you're hearing that explicitly and seeing it explicitly, you have not changed the direction of the United States. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, like other conservatives, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm excited and happy and thrilled to see some of, some of the governors uh, pushing back on some of the worst excesses of uh, woke neo-Marxism, but there's no chance that that's going to be enough. And the, you, you, you can't fight something with uh, strictly a negative uh, view that, no, we don't want to go that far. You can only fight an idea with an idea. And the idea here has to be conservative, conservative democracy or, or Christian democracy. Um, I, I, I've seen some of the young Christian writers in the last uh, few weeks embracing the term Christian nationalism. All these, these terms, they, they all refer to the same, the same basic idea, which is that there, there needs to be a restoration of the idea that, uh, that the Bible is the basis of, of public life. It can be uh, tolerant, it can be ecumenical, but, uh, but what, what it cannot be is simply a negation of woke neo-Marxism because, the, you know, you, you can w win a couple of battles that way, but in the end, there has to be something positive that gives the framework for, uh, for life in the United States or in Britain or in other countries, and that's what we're waiting to see. Well, hopefully we can move in the direction where we start to bring back a, a conservative mindset to this country. That was Yoram Hazoni, president of the Herzl Institute in Jerusalem and chairman of the Edmund Burke Foundation. He's also author of the new book, Conservatism, A Rediscovery, available now wherever books are sold. Yoram, thank you so much for your time. Very much appreciate it. Sure. My, my pleasure. Thank you, Douglas. What an interesting thought. As a Christian myself, I totally feel like my faith is important to my politics, but I didn't know it was that important. We're going to leave it there for today, but thank you so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. We have many options for you. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Please just subscribe where you can. And if you could, please let your friends and family know that you enjoyed it and, and spread the word. It really does help us get the message out. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with you all later for Headlines. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Doug Blair, and Samantha Rank. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.